to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I have the pleasure of speaking with expert educators about how to best address challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Jim Furman. Jim is the Executive Director of the Danielson Group. Jim, welcome. Thank you, Wendy. Good to be here. I appreciate having time with you. There's so much going on. It's an exciting time for the Danielson Group. Talk to me a little bit about what you all have going on. The launch of the school year is always exciting for us and for uh, educators across the country. So we've been busy over the last month. We are getting ready to finalize some updates to the framework for teaching. Uh, so it was originally published 25 years ago by Charlotte Danielson. It's been it's evolved and been updated a couple of times over those 25 years. Uh, but we're in the midst of some really exciting updates and revisions. So we've been, you know, working with educators, scholars, experts in the field uh, to really think about how the framework can be updated to meet the needs of educators uh, today. Jim, we know that good educators make changes as new information becomes available. Over 25 years and looking at Charlotte Danielson's foundational work, what kinds of tweaks have you all been making? We, you know, we started this process of this round of updates and revisions a couple of years ago, actually. And so many of these changes were in the works, but uh, the, the pandemic and the, some of the other events across our country over the last two years have also, you know, been an influence um, and helped us think about some of the changes we've been making. But most of these are in response to recent research uh, and, and feedback we've received from educators. So there are a couple of big areas where we've really focused our attention. One of those has to do with uh, equity and thinking about uh, what teaching practices look like across a variety of settings for a variety of student populations to best meet their needs. Uh, it's something that's been part of the framework uh, since it was written 25 years ago, uh, but we've learned a lot over the last 25 years and we've also seen changes uh, locally for, for teachers and school districts uh, that we're hoping to address. We also, not just as a result of the pandemic and what we're, we're seeing in classrooms today, but even before that, we're thinking a lot about social emotional development of students and the, the integration of the social and emotional with the, the academic or the intellectual development that happens in classrooms. So we're thinking a lot about how to further emphasize uh, the importance of student well-being and of thinking about the, the social and emotional aspects of learning as they relate to learning content, learning important um, academic skills. I'll tell you, I'm particularly happy to hear the, the, this connection between SEL and academics. There's so much discussion right now, but oh, we're all going to have to shift gears and really address the social and emotional learning needs of our students as though you can only do one. But the reality is they have to happen together and that's where the best learning occurs. Jim, if the framework is intended to help schools create or identify a common vision for instructional practice, how does that happen? Great question. I think the, the most simple answer is that it happens through com conversation and use in a variety of different uh, ways. So one of those ways and one of the ones that has been traditionally uh, perhaps the most prevalent in a lot of places is through the observation of practice and feedback to educators on their practice. And so an educator, a teacher uh, engages in reflection and conversation with their instructional coach or principal. Um, and there, through those conversations, we begin to build sort of some common understanding of what great practice looks like. Uh, but as important or even more important is the conversation that happens between and among teachers in professional learning communities or through peer observation. Uh, and, and part of what goes on and what we think is so important is that educators in a local, in a, in a school, in a local context, 
take the framework, something that's used, the framework for teaching, something that's used across the world and across the country, but they make it specific to their local context. Um, so they talk about their students, they talk about their uh, community, the values of the community and the things that are emphasized, the priorities or goals of the local school um, and are able to take, you know, again, what is sort of um, a commonly used tool and make it specific to their setting. That's when it becomes so powerful when they can say, this is what this component of effective practice looks like for us. This is what we believe excellence is when it comes to knowing and valuing our students or engaging them in learning activities. Are there any key questions that you that you traditionally use to launch a good conversation as you get a group going? You know, it really varies. Like we, we often engage in conversation with district or school leaders initially uh, and uh, try to understand deeply what the priorities and the, the goals are in the local context. And so often the, the questions will be based on uh, what those are. Uh, what both, you know, people have set as targets for their students or growth goals for their teachers and thinking about those. Uh, but usually it starts with some form of, uh, at its most simple level, what does this mean to you? What does this look like? We, you know, we often say when we work with teachers, the, the wisdom is in the room. We are not coming as the, you know, the only expert or the expert even. Uh, we're coming with a tool that allows you to harvest the wisdom in the room to really say, you know, this is what this is what is important to us about our students' identities. And so we could we could list different aspects of student identity that we think are important. We can name those, we can talk about those. But in the end, what's really important is for a group of teachers to come together and say, this is what we know about our students. This is what we believe is most important. And this is how our instructional practice, our planning, our lessons can reflect those identities. One of the reasons I'm happy to have a conversation with you, Jim, is that you're a real teacher. You have extensive classroom experience. You have instructional coaching experience across multiple subjects and grades. How has that informed your involvement with the Danielson Group and your leadership there? Well, it was, I mean, it was one of the things that made this organization and this role really a appeal to me, honestly. I, I believe in the power of instructional coaching. I know from firsthand experience, uh, you know, there were a few years towards the end of my most recent teaching experience where I was both an instructional coach and being coached by uh, an amazing instructional coach. And so seeing uh, sort of that from both ends, I had the opportunity to be a teacher leader and to work in a hybrid role um, where I was teaching part of the day and coaching part of the day. Um, and just, you know, the, the, the influence that my coach had on me, uh, the ways in which she was able to uh, really help me hone some of my skills, think about, you know, my students in different ways, my own practice in different ways were so powerful and so important. And having the opportunity to do that with other teachers with whom I worked and coached uh, was really uh, uh, exciting. Can you confess right now a specific change that you made in your instructional practice based on coaching? And I want to hear the before and the after, and I definitely want to think about the ultimate result of student growth, how, how that change really supported the learning that was happening in your classroom. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, actually, has to do with the way in which I organized lessons. So it was partially about my planning and preparation, uh, but it was also about the way that I engaged students in uh, dialogue 
and gave them opportunities for thinking and reflection. So I remember working with my coach specifically around the idea of reflection built into lessons, giving students more opportunities to think, to consolidate learning, not just to demonstrate that they had learned something or, you know, like an exit ticket or those sorts of things that we can do as a, as a quick check, but really giving them the opportunity to think, to reflect themselves and to understand what they had accomplished that day uh, or that week or in that unit, but also, you know, where they needed support and help. Jim, you've been working improving systems of professional development. I want to zoom out and look at some of the big system level work that you do. Are there some key recommendations that you wish people would just lean into in the way they're providing professional development for teachers in their, in their schools and districts? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the things that we see a lot, and I think teachers on up to district level administrators know and understand this, uh, is that too often it's the case that various priorities or initiatives or focus areas for professional development are disconnected from one another. And so one of the things that we talk a lot about and that we really help districts and schools to focus on is the idea of coherence between what teachers are doing in different settings. You know, there's always something coming, new coming in that we're, you know, whether it's literacy uh, is a focus one year. And then as we said before, social emotional development is a focus. And uh, it's too often the case that these things aren't you know, connected in the ways that they need to be. And so from a big picture, I think, and we believe that that's incredibly important. Um, the other thing I think has a lot to do with, and this is a, you know, another age old struggle in our field that we're all familiar with, has to do with time. How do you give teachers the time they need to reflect, uh, to engage with their colleagues? And so in a lot of cases, that means you know, different types of thinking about the schedule, different ways of uh, giving teachers release time throughout the day or over the course of the year to really engage thoughtfully in those practices that we think are so important. Um, and another thing that we've thought a lot about over the last few years and that we're really paying attention to is the, the sort of autonomy and um, independence that teachers also need over their learning. So as much as we think coaching is incredibly important and that collaborative inquiry uh, helps us to improve as educators, teachers, just like students, uh, need choices. They need ownership over their learning. And so when districts are able to provide options as sort of a, a first step um, or just to you know, allocate resources in a way that allows teachers to actually go out and seek the professional development that they need, um, and that can be in collaboration with others in their school community, or it may not be. Uh, and to make wise choices as consumers of professional learning, um, we think that that's so incredibly important. Uh, it's another principle we talk a lot about, that idea that, you know, if we want to give, if we believe that students need choice and autonomy and they need to take responsibility for their own learning, we should think the same of teachers. The Danielson framework is an incredible tool and tools are important, no doubt. Even better though, I think is when we get those tools into the hands of people who need them, who want them and who can use them. What is going on with the Danielson group and teaching channel? How are we using 
the framework and uh, and getting it into the hands of people who can use it. I'm excited about the opportunity for more people to have access to the framework and resources that are aligned to it through the our partnership with the teaching channel. I think that you know, as a teacher myself, uh, I, I knew and used and benefited from the resources available on the teaching channel, as I know many, uh, I hate to overstate it, but probably millions of educators have over the last uh, decade or so. Uh, and so one of the things that's really exciting to us is that all of those resources that are available, uh, PD, video exemplars of teaching practices, ideas for lessons and units are now easily aligned to the components of the framework for teaching. Uh, so I can do a search if there's, you know, if I'm working on my questioning and discussion techniques, I can find resources very quickly based on that specific component. Uh, and I also have the opportunity to take video of myself teaching, to reflect on it myself, but to share it with colleagues or coaches, to have those conversations that are grounded in my own practice, uh, but also really being able to see a variety of other practices that I might not have uh, access to, uh, or I might not have seen before. I think one of the things we hear a lot from teachers and administrators and uh, university faculty, honestly, is we need more demonstration, more specific examples, more ways to say this, this is what we mean by excellent, right? Like this is the standard. And so um, the videos and the other resources on Teaching Channel are just another opportunity to be able to, to have those conversations. Jim, you're an incredible resource to educators, the Danielson Group, the Danielson Framework. They are lucky to have your leadership, and I'm appreciative to have time with you for this podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Great to chat with you. To my fellow educators, thank you for joining us this week. You can find the links Jim Furman and I discussed in the show notes, and you can learn more about the Danielson Group at teachingchannel.com Danielson. If you leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast listening app you use, it will help more educators to find us. I'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. <music>